0: Good morning or afternoon. Uh, I'm Rick Woodham with Taggett, and thanks for listening to another installment of our Digital Game Changer series. For those of you, this is your first time to join, well, welcome. And for the rest of you, welcome back. So these podcasts are really uh, intended to provide and expose you uh, as a listener to different views about what's going on in the world of digital banking and digital technologies. And, you know, there's no one right approach to to approaching digital that works for everyone. And I know I speak for our guest today, Ravi, who's hoping that as we go through these, this dialogue of questions and answers and having a bit of a chat, that you pick up these one or two little nuggets uh, from uh, from his experience and, and what he's done with the company he works for today. So in today's session, we are joined by Mr. Ravindran Ramia, uh, goes by Ravi. So Ravi's been in the GCC for the past 25 years, focused on banking technology solutions. He's really got a wide, uh, diverse experience of high-growth startups, turnaround environments, and extensive knowledge of banking uh, and the financial industry in general. Of late, he's a founder member of one of the initial fintech organizations in Saudi Arabia, Tashio Finance, which is licensed and regulated by Sama in the consumer finance sector. He's also been involved in various startups in the region, and in addition to being responsible for digital transformation of of large financial institutions, a lot of background, a lot of wealth and knowledge he will share with us today. He's a successful transformational leader and capable of developing flexible and scalable solutions. Ravi, thanks for joining us today. Looking forward to a little bit of a chat with you.
1: It's my pleasure to join you, Rick. Um, looking forward to having a good discussion.
0: Yeah, so let's, uh, let's start with 20 questions, shall we? Sure. So so Ravi, can you maybe just spend a little bit of time and talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges uh, since COVID and how has it affected the company and you know, some of the opportunities that you foresee out of that? Uh,
1: let us basically take a step back and then uh, before the onset of the pandemic and uh, during the pandemic, and post-pandemic. Before the onset of pandemic, people were relaxed in terms of the digital uh, journey. Uh, It was in the pipeline uh, with a uh, a date which uh, never uh, would have been met. Uh, The pandemic happened and that is when uh, people started scrambling, Uh, including us. The initial days were completely chaotic. You wouldn't know what to do because all of a sudden uh, from uh, going at 100, we were at zero uh, that was when we got together as a management team and then we decided what is what should what are the steps that needs to be taken to ensure that the customer uh, today he is not able to move out of his home so mm. how do we enable him to conclude his journey end to end so the key phrase out here is end to end mm. now many companies uh, flourished during the pandemic because they focused on this end-to-end journey, right. while there are many, comp- many other companies which just focused on certain aspects of the digital journey, so which led to customer being uh, originated, but the fulfillment bit was missing. Mm. So you address one part where the crucial part is missing and so they, they didn't flourish as much. Mm. Uh, in, in our case, we did focus on end-to-end journey and we were lucky that during the pandemic and post-pandemic, we we hit a growth rate, which was uh, basically not expected out of us. Uh, we, we were also presently surprised uh, when we saw the end results. Uh, so that is, uh, that is the key phrase. You have to ensure that uh, that is a lesson also for us, because when we had started, we could basically do only as much of a digital journey uh, mm-hmm. because there were some regulations which forced us that you, the customer has to visit you uh, to sign the contract and yeah. now we were lucky that we had uh, close interactions with the Sama, the Saudi Central Bank and they were also very helpful in realizing the importance of having a full digital uh, journey and they gave us the go ahead to uh, implement a digital signature uh, initiative that was uh, okayed by Ministry of Justice also mm. Uh, once we did that then uh, we were we were amongst the initial uh, companies that had an end to end journey so that is that is something that uh, we focused on ensuring that the customer uh, when we are when you are saying digital journey it is end to end and not just a part of it
0: yeah you know ravi i uh, i think there are a number of companies who who found themselves in the situation where covid as my dad would say, really kind of built a fire under you, right? Uh, because uh, I, I can tell you the sense of urgency uh, that you have seen over the last couple of years is certainly not the same sense of urgency that you saw prior to to COVID, right? So I, I don't think you're in the minority in, in that particular aspect, right? And That's it sounds true. like that that your guidance is really taking that holistic view of of really the end-to-end expectations of what the customer expects of you and what you expect of the customer because you do want to onboard them. You do want them to open accounts. You do want them to be able to fulfill. So it works really for, for you and the customer equally as well, yeah?
1: That is true. And In fact, one of the fallouts of um, uh, the COVID, uh, uh, the digital journey aspect was in the month of April, Sama has come out with a new regulation that restricts uh, banks and financial institutions from opening accounts in a digital manner. Now, Mm. that is a big dampener. But the reason uh, for that is, uh, um, there have been many fraudulent cases uh, that have uh, hit uh, while while you put in something with good intention, there are always people who try to find a loophole. So that is invariably the case. And that is another challenge that everyone is facing. And it is a good challenge to have because um, whatever we are going to do at this point in time is going to uh, only enable the whole sector. Uh, yeah. The key focus out here at this point in time is going to be how do we basically ensure that the customer who is being onboarded is a genuine customer. right? Yeah. And so it gets back to the question of money laundering, blacklist check and so that, that aspect while it was there, but it wasn't that uh, strong enough uh, because that is the reason why uh, Sama has come out and then said there have been quite a number of fraudulent um, uh, transactions that have happened.
0: So so can you talk a little bit about, uh, Ravi, can you talk a little bit about the, the sector, the microfinance sector in the Middle East? And, and how are customers kind of responding to digitization in that, that sector? I mean, you made the comment that you guys had much better results than maybe had been projected which i think is very positive so can you talk a little bit about the sector in general and and kind of the customers and how they're reacting to uh to digitization
1: yeah sure uh middle east is actually slightly different when it when you compare to the other regions in terms of uh, uh, microfinance uh, or even consumer finance uh, because you have a huge uh, expat population Hmm. And even amongst the expat population, the percentage of unbanked population is pretty huge. Uh, In fact, you would find there was a study that was done last year, and uh, close to uh, 36%, if I'm not mistaken, uh, of the population, 36% of population in UAE, it it is unbanked. And so another 16% or so uh, are partially banned. Uh, so that is a huge uh, chunk of uh, the population that is deprived of a proper financial uh, uh, mechanism wherein they would be able to lead a better life and so that exclusion is there which is peculiar to this region purely because of the uh, floating or you can call it the expat population which is uh, which is out here uh, and also uh, the uh, that is uh, as far as the individuals are concerned. Now, the partially bank guys, they are uh, the UAE government and many uh, governments in this region, they have come out with uh, uh, regulations like wage protection uh, system. Uh, mm-hmm. So that will ensure that they get uh, their salary on time. But um, uh, that is just a one-way transaction. You just get a debit, prepaid card equivalent. Uh, the company just... Uh, uh, they call it as load the money which is the salary is transferred mm-hmm. and the guy withdraws it so it is just two or three transactions per month on a card he mm-hmm. he doesn't have any other uh, of uh, facility uh, loans is actually a far cry uh, right and so he, wow. he and so what happens is he ends up getting um, uh, basically uh, borrowing from his colleagues or from a loan shark while that is prohibited, but in in reality it does ex- exist. So that is that is one area which I believe there have been regulations and movement in, in this uh, domain and you can see uh, uh, action happening in this microfinance from the retail side. Same is the case with SME. Now SME Pandemic was actually one of the worst hit uh, uh, sectors, Uh, it was on both sides, one is uh, all of a sudden banks started uh, closing the purse for SMEs and there was an exodus of uh, population. So both on the supply and demand side, there was a hit. Um, Now again, uh, post pandemic, there has been a huge uh, uh, increase in in terms of activity in this uh, segment. But but still, there is a long way to go. Uh, I was reading a recent survey, which said that there are so many startup companies in this region. Now, while it is easy to start a company, you can open a company in two hours in in this part of the world. But it takes probably two months for you to open a bank account. Wow! And so, which is a which is a huge. Uh, I would say it is uh, uh, definitely the government would be taking notice of this and then taking corrective action, but uh, that is a challenge and it also gives rise to many opportunities for um, uh, banks or uh, financial institutions. Um, For sure, that is a big uh, challenge out here at this point in time. Uh, There was a uh, survey that was done for even individuals. Uh, The amount of time it takes to open an account, uh, it is still... Uh, it is not entirely digital. And it is still uh, taking time. To give an example, I had recently from uh, Bahrain, Saudi, I had relocated to Dubai. And I had to open a bank account and safe deposit locker. And it, believe it or not, it took me uh, close to uh, three and a half to four weeks to get this while I had all the necessary documents, everything. But still, I had to visit the branch multiple times. My ID card was photocopied a million times. So there is there is there are still so many gaps in terms of the process. Uh, and that is where I see a, an opportunity. It, uh, that that sounds
0: the, like there I, might be room for improvement there.
1: Absolutely. There is a huge impo- uh, 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 need for improvement. And I believe it is an opportunity. Uh, uh, customer service is another area which which is something which, uh, which needs drastic improvement. Uh, I, uh, while there are chatbots, uh, I believe in my opinion, that, that is still in early stages of uh, uh, development, it can improve, it is improving, uh, but uh, giving the customer his complete view of what his financial standing is, that is still a far cry, it is still uh, missing. Uh, people are still, banks are still operating in silos. And so we can see that as an opportunity. And uh, I, I still hope that uh, in the coming days, uh, things will improve. So I, I, I
0: sort of we, share your, your view. I mean, when, when some of the chat type of technology that we see today truly becomes conversational, right? And you think about the conversation you and I are having today, right? We're having a conversation because A, we speak the same language, B. We have context around what we're talking about, uh, and, and C. We're on kind of a common uh, path, right? We can we can uh, kind of accumulate and think about these ideas, and when the technology can do some of these things, can be a bit more conversational. Then I think you'll see a change in how uh, the technology is used, especially in the servicing area. That's so, true. so, uh, so, Ravi, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was you you again you talked a little bit about. Um, The success that you guys have had kind of taking that end-to-end view of the journey with the customer, is there any one particular feature or one particular uh, capability that you delivered that kind of stands out in your mind as having uh, maybe the highest level of impact during that time? Was there sort of any one thing that sort of stands out in your mind a bit?
1: the couple of things one is the ability to do the digital signature right and mm-hmm. so because till that point wet uh, signature was uh, required see one is on the opening of a current account or a savings account that was still okay yeah. but when you are giving a loan uh, a wet signature was mandated so you you need to basically bring in the customer or you go to the customer and get the um, uh, documents and agreement signed So when we had actually done that and coupled with a KYC and so you had a digital KYC. So we had two options. One is basically uh, to a video KYC and then get that recorded and then attach it to the customer file so so that tomorrow it can be uh, retrieved and uh, uh, shown it to the regulators. So these two elements wherein uh, the customers were actually unable to believe, comprehend in the beginning. Is that it? Okay, I am talking to you, I'm the KYC is getting done uh, and I'm clicking a few buttons and then the contract is getting signed. It is all in a very transparent mm-hmm. manner. And so these two elements, when it actually uh, uh, came into Fusion, uh, we could see the joy in the customer's face and obviously it is something which we also felt happy when it was uh, it was being liked by customers and that resulted in definitely many customers opting for the digital signature
0: right so so, so obviously that had a fairly large impact on your your retail customer base but i, I want to go back if i can for just a moment because you talked a little bit about uh, the sme sector uh, across the middle east right uh, and and you're seeing a, a very uh, a strong emergence of, of what many are calling that micro SME segment, really that small one, one or two man kind of show, right? Uh, and, and what we're discovering is that micro SME and even the smaller SMEs really have expectations that how they interact with the bank uh, has very similar um, capabilities as they would have as a retail customer because they don't necessarily need all of the, the heavyweight, you know entitlements and maker checkers and all those kinds of things but they do need some business capabilities so are you seeing kind of a similar sort of expectation from that smaller sme the micro sme sort of sector and and how is that being addressed by some of this technology
1: let's see uh, one of the uh, that is a good point because smes the data is now available with uh, various government bodies electronically Uh, Previously, it was basically coming in in a PDF format, but now it is all available in uh, XMLs and JSONs. So it is all electronically, I can get the complete history of a company from authorized credit bureaus. Mm. So there is no reason for me to uh, harass the I would use the word Harris, because if I go and then submit reams and reams of documents of my balance sheet and whatever be the documents, it is not going to help much because at the end of it, someone is going to keep that elsewhere, it is just going to lie catch dust, mm. because the information is available electronically with my credit bureau. So there is no reason why I shouldn't use that to assess the customer. Uh, Once you assess that, uh, there is no reason why you should take time uh, to disburse a loan uh, because the credit assessment engine is something which can be built uh, over a period of time. I read somewhere that KYC is something, though it is mandated by the government, but I should be able to open an account for everyone. And then based on his behavior, because KYC is a progressive thing, right? So Mm -hmm, I have to keep on updating the customer's profile and be based on his behavior, financial or otherwise, rather than at some point today, what is KYC, it is at a point in time, what is the profile of the customer, we don't take into account over a period of time how he is behaving. So that is something it also applies for a company, because at some point in time, he would basically be doing well, but are we constantly up updating him because the data is available in in my credit bureau? there is no reason why I shouldn't use that. Yeah but that is something which I can see is it is happening. Um, there have been few fintech star, uh, startups that have gotten into this uh, wherein with minimal documentation, uh, you can uh, get a loan an SME uh, uh, can get a loan from. Uh, from this fintech startup, uh, but it is it is just one. Uh, there are a couple of others which are still um, basically coming. Just imagine uh, in UAE, 60% GDP is basically coming from um, uh, SME sector, right? Wow. That's a huge uh, number. Um, and um, uh, having said, that is, that is again, if you take care of uh, your uh, SME sector, for sure, the economy is going to take care of itself and so on.
0: I think I made this statement in, in one of my previous podcasts. I can't recall, and I'm sure there are bankers who would disagree with me, but but I sort of maintain it because I've been in banking IT for more years than I care to remember. Uh, but banks, to me, are one of those entities that probably know more about their customers than many different business entities, and they're probably the least Uh, capable of using that to really look at the relationship of the customer holistically, right? So you talked about that end-to-end journey, especially as it relates to onboarding. But once you're able to acquire a customer, understanding their profiles, as you mentioned, and understanding their behavior and knowing how to give them the right messaging at the right time for the right opportunities is key. And uh, I think sometimes we, we miss opportunities as banks to do that
1: absolutely you you have the customer someone it's an old adage which says that you take care of your ex- existing customer new customers will take care of themselves right yeah that's right uh, uh, today uh, with open banking that is something which is going to change the game uh, w- once it becomes a reality in certain uh, uh, countries it is become it has become a reality but still it is in it is in its infancy uh, but once that comes Retaining your customers is going to be a challenge. And so if you don't take care of uh, your customers, you are definitely going to uh, miss miss out on them. You can't operate in silos, which is what is happening. Uh, Just to give an example, one of my uh, colleagues, he was traveling to UK um, for the ETH break. He lands in uh, in London and then he gets a message saying that, uh, okay, this is uh, $100.00. Uh, as an ED gift. And so it is something which uh, he's a card holder and so he gets that message. Now he was happy that, okay, I used to get ED from my dad and so now the bank is uh, taking care of me. It was a a momentary pleasure. Within uh, five or 10 minutes, he gets another message from another section of the bank, which says that that's a payment reminder. If you don't pay by by the next couple of days, you are going to get le- uh, uh, charged a fee. Now, why did this happen? They made him happy uh, five minutes back, and then they just sucked the happiness out of him by uh, sending this message. It was not needed. Uh, they didn't use the data that about that customer. He is a customer who has a, a big deposit probably, and so I, do I need to send him a reminder? Probably not. I have just sent him another set of message, uh, giving him a gift. Uh, so should I send the message? Probably not. And so they were, they are still operating in silos. And so that is, that is precisely the point you're making that they have to change the game, yeah. So,
0: so you, you mentioned open APIs, and that's a real good segue into uh, my, my last question for you, Ravi. So if you take a look at the technology landscape uh, around microfinance in the Middle East and the areas where you are today, what do you think some of the key digital trends look like over the next few years?
1: A couple of areas which is which is going to be a game changer. One is cloud, right? And so, uh, a cloud, as they say, it is going to democratize technology, right? Uh, just like democratizing finance, I believe this is going to do that for technology. Because today, if as a startup, if I want to uh, come up with a fin- small finance company or a fintech startup. What are the challenges I need to have a data center I need to have x number of servers I need to have resources with that skill set I need to have a DR I need to have a huge core banking system Uh, do I need the full core banking system probably not but still I am not offered something which is modular Uh, so there are so many challenges that takes away so much of my uh, time and money that I will not be able to concentrate on my core business yeah. Now, with cloud and SaaS, uh, what is happening in a smaller way, but it's going to happen, it's going to be the norm uh, in the near future is I I can just go plug and play. I just say, I want one, two, three, you you give me this, okay, the very next day, I just configure my product, I'm ready to rock and roll. And so that is, that is what cloud is going to do. And second part is the SaaS approach, right? Now, today, as a, as any SME would say, if core banking is one of the crucial aspect of their functioning, it, that is the core. Uh, now, if I have to go and then buy a core banking system today, while there are so many variants, each big provider has got a light version, but the light is still not light, light enough for the startup. Yeah. I end up buying something which is a Rolls Royce wherein I just need a Corolla, right? yeah uh, now that is one area which i can see there are there are few players who are coming in uh, and have a, a a software that that is tailored for the sme segment um, so that is something which is going to happen which is happening the origination is is getting better uh, the onboarding journey is getting better but still on the company the sme side it that is still a challenge and so uh, while there are improvements, I believe uh, in the coming few days or weeks or months, we are going to see lots of action in this in these areas.
0: So I would tend to agree with you, uh, Ravi. Um, uh, I, I'm sitting here smiling a little bit because it's not very often I do a plug for Taget when I'm doing a podcast, but we've seen very similar uh, trends that we know are not just trends any longer, but expectations, especially when it comes to cloud and and software as a service and that kind of thing. So I'm very much aligned with that. So, so Ravi, this has been great. Uh, definitely a few nuggets out of uh, uh, out of the conversation today. It's been great uh, having a bit of a chat with you. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Yeah.